smile on our face, and, um, and good to see all your smiling faces here this morning. So if you got your Bible, I hope you do, open it up and turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 4. Uh, this all tied together really well this morning. Uh, we didn't necessarily set it up that way and intend on it to be that way. In fact, uh, she was mentioning Memorial Day there. Uh, I hadn't even thought about it being Memorial Weekend necessarily when I was studying for this message, but um, it's a pretty good Memorial Day message. I think it fits right along. So the Holy Spirit always knows what he's doing. Uh, First Thessalonians chapter number four, and uh, I'm going to read verses 13 through 18. And you gotta, you, you, you can't just read over this like a newspaper, okay? You can't just read it, and it, it can't just be words on a page. You really have to picture this, okay, as we read it. If you have to close your, your eyes to, to picture this, whatever you gotta do to think about it in your mind and what this is gonna be like, okay? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 13. Paul, first of all, Paul is writing to a, a new church, okay? These are new Christians, and uh, it's all new to them. They don't understand everything there is to know about the Christian faith, and they, they kind of have questions. You know, what happens to us now that we're Christians? What happens to us when we die? And so Paul is checking on this brand new, this baby church, if you will, to see how they're doing. He finds out that they're, they're standing strong against persecution and, and, and struggles, and he's commending them for that. Uh, and he's answering some questions. Here's basically what you have to look forward to um, when you die. So in uh, verse 13, Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. And he's referring to those who have passed away, those who have died. Lest you sorrow as others who have sorrowed with no hope. And so obviously when we look at that, we even as Christians, we still sorrow and we still grieve when we lose loved ones. But we don't grieve in the same way as people who don't have any hope right? We grieve and we sorrow, but we have this hope knowing where they're at. And people that don't have that hope obviously grieve on a whole other level. We say, we don't, we have a better hope than that. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means proceed or go before those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, Paul says, comfort one another with these words. And that's what my prayer is today. I hope that this message and these scriptures will bring you great comfort and encouragement today. Pray with me this morning. The title of my message is Two Seconds in Heaven. Father, we come before you this morning and we're already encouraged by just being in your presence, your spirit. And we realize, Lord, that in this life, that's, that's what we're limited to. But we long for and look forward to the day that we will truly be in your presence. God, today we lay aside every weight, every sin, every thought, every care to turn our attention to you, Lord. I pray, God, that you would speak through me as a, as a vessel, an instrument that you can use to ring a bell in the hearts and the minds of every single person sitting here today. Nobody's here by accident. I believe that you want to minister to every person individually. Those who aren't saved, that today they'll be saved. Those who are saved, that they'll be encouraged. Those who are downtrodden and hurting and suffering, God might be lifted up, we pray today in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. 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 Two seconds in heaven. So Paul, given this description of what it's going to be like. Now we all know we... We kind of get to heaven at different times, right? In this life, we, we pass away at different times. But he's referring to the moment in the future when Jesus returns. When God says, that's enough, it's over, and God brings this entire world as we know it to a close. Those who have died, those, who we, those loved ones that we've laid on, like we talk about, that we're laying uh, uh, flowers on their graves over this past weekend. He said, the Lord himself, Jesus, will descend from heaven. Again, you got to picture this. In Revelation 19, it gives a picture of Jesus on this white horse, his eyes like a flame of fire, and, and the word of God coming out of his mouth as he returns in all of his glory, the saints of God behind him and the armies of God. Jesus said, you shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of glory. Hallelujah. On that day, in that moment, there will be a loud trumpet sound that will, that will make way for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Hallelujah. I, I think it's worth a good shout now. Amen? Amen. Just, the, just the thinking about it kind of makes me want to shout and gives me some goosebumps. But the, there'll be no mistaking what's going on. 
The Lord himself descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. And those who are alive and remain will sit here and watch as those graves burst open. It's a reality in the future of that that is going to take place. As those who are dead in Christ will rise again, and then we all, as soon as the dead are past us, then gravity will turn loose and we will ascend, the Bible says, to meet the Lord in the air. And from that moment, we will always be with the Lord face to face and we shall see him in that moment. Now we have, you know, think about it, we get into um, uh, what we think heaven is going to be like. And we have this idea, I know a lot of our pictures and stuff, we, we, we have this idea of us, you know, with a harp and wings, you know, strumming through, uh, through glory. I'm a little off. I took some allergy medicine this morning, so I'm a little bit, I may be a little wobbly. I take no responsibility for anything that I might or might not say here this afternoon. Uh, But we have this idea of us just, you know, floating in the clouds with our harp, and that's not at all, obviously, what heaven is going to be like. But I want you to turn into Revelation chapter 21. And I want to read most of the chapter, because I want you to grab a picture of this. The reason God give us through John, John is on the island of Patmos. He's been banished there because of his, because of his ministry. And in that banishment, in that isolation, in that moment of suffering, Jesus appears to John and gives him the revelation. Gives him a glimpse into the future and what things are going to be like and gives him a glimpse of what eternity and and this dwelling place, this new heaven and this new earth is going to look like. Okay, so again, use your imaginations. Picture this as we read. In chapter 21, verse 1, it says, Now I, this is John speaking, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is what? With men, no longer separated from God in distance. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, No sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And folks, that little set of scriptures right there requires no interpretation. I don't have to tell you what that means. You and I can't even fathom a life like that. No sorrow, no crying, no parting, no death. Then he was sat on the the throne, said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. If we believe God and believe in God and we believe that God is a God of his word, we must believe that these things will come to pass. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual immoral, Sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, something none of us want to be a part of. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out from heaven, out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God, her light was like, a most, like the most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Now, here's where we really get into the descriptive language. This city, this new Jerusalem coming down, this eternal dwelling place ultimately. Again, we're not floating in the heavens with our, our harps. A new heaven, a new earth, much like this one, only far better, right? Where he saw crystal. Is clear as crystal. Next few verses, he talks about the walls. He talks about the foundations. But when you go down into verse 18, he continues this descriptive language, and he says, the construction of its wall was of jasper. The city was pure gold, like clear glass. The fountains, the foundations, rather, of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper. The second, sapphire. The third, chalcedony. I never can say that word very well. The fourth, emerald. The fifth, sardonyx. The sixth, sardius. The seventh, chrysolite. The eighth, beryl. The ninth, topaz. The tenth, chrysophrases. I can never pronounce that one either. The eleventh, jacinth. And the, 11th, and the twelfth, amethyst. 
The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. You know, you've heard, it's an old joke by now, but that that we kill for, that what we spend so much money to put around our wrists and our ankle or our, our, our necks, uh, gold is what drives the world. That which every man strives for is nothing more than asphalt in heaven. It puts things in perspective, right? The city, this the street, which was of pure gold, like transparent glass. He said, I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb, Jesus, is its light. No need for the sun, no need for the moon, no need for coal plants. The, well, never mind, I better keep my mouth shut on that. Uh, all, no, no need for any of these things. The, the Lord Jesus himself will be the light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. there shall, uh, they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. There shall by no means enter into, any, into it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Nothing impure entering in. What a picture. Can you imagine such a place as that? Now again, I believe that as God is showing this to John, and as we read about it in the scripture, the purpose isn't to give us an, an, an exact description of what eternity is going to be like necessarily, but rather to give us a picture in words that we can understand, a language that we can understand as humans, that that we know to be beautiful. He uses those word pictures, just if, not again, not to show us exactly what it's going to be like, but just to show us it's going to be better than anything we've ever known here. Amen. You know, we can argue and fuss about your idea of heaven, my idea of heaven, what's going to be like, and, you know, throughout the end times. We can argue about it. And none of the scriptures that give us a glimpse of heaven or the end times were meant to give us a detailed description so that we'd know exactly what we're at, what's happened. It was all about pointing us forward to a time that is far better. Everything that God has provided for eternity is so much better than what we have now. Amen. I assure you, whatever, you know, again, not, not in the, a new heaven and a new earth, right? But whatever you picture heaven to be like, I assure you, you're not even close. I'm not even close. <laughs> it is far better than what you can even picture in your mind. You saw the, the, the title screen. I asked Jennifer, I said, put something up there that, you know, like maybe the gold, the, the, the gates of pearl, You've seen beautiful paintings of in, in people's, in mankind's mind as they take this little scripture to kind of build in their mind what they think that heaven might be like. And those who have gone on are already experiencing that. But let me tell you something, again, new heaven, new earth, you and I can't imagine it. In fact, 1 Corinthians 2 and 9 says, as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard nor even entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. We cannot even imagine how great heaven and eternity is going to be. Amen? 1 John 3 and 2 said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet. Everybody say not yet. Because that's the key word, key phrase in this sentence. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know, everybody say we know. That when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Right now, it, not, it doesn't yet appear how things are all going to happen. We know that the Lord is going to descend from heaven with a shout, with a trump of the archangel. We know there's a new heaven. We know there's a new earth. We don't really in our human minds understand exactly what it's going to be like, but we know that when Jesus comes, we're going to be like him. We're going to see him as he is and be like him. Everything we know now will be changed for the better no more pain no more sorrow so as much as we don't get it now two seconds in heaven it's all going to make sense two seconds in heaven it's all going to make sense we talk people talk about I'm going to ask God this and I want to ask God that these questions that we have I, I don't believe we'll ask God any questions I, I don't know I mean I'm not I'm just this is just Dennis maybe we will we got eternity to do it I just think that two seconds, it's all going to make sense as soon as we get into glory. There are, I did a little math. 
If a person lives an average age of around 70 years, you will have lived 2,207,520,000 seconds in your lifespan. Over 2 trillion, 2.5 trillion seconds. And if every one of those seconds were miserable, and they're not, can, can, you, can you testify this morning that, that life is good? Life is hard, and life is challenging, and life is painful. But folks, life is good. Why? Because God gave life, and God is good. We don't want to paint a picture that life is just horrible, and we can kind of get in the molly grubs and just curl up in the fetal position and say, I just can't wait to get to heaven. But there's a lot of good in our life. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, every two trillion seconds you live, let's say every one of them is miserable. The first two seconds in heaven will cancel out all two trillion miserable seconds. They'll every one be forgotten for all eternity in two seconds. Whole lifetime of pain over. It's impossible to count the seconds, really, in, in eternity. Because in eternity, seconds don't exist. There's no time. We can't comprehend that. We're bound by time. I'm looking at the clock, and I'm thinking, how long can I preach without losing everybody, Right? We're bound by time, but in eternity, remember he said there's no sun, there's no moon, there's no night. There's no, there's no time. You can't count it by seconds. For eternity, never give thought. I mean, you think 2 trillion, 2.2 trillion seconds is a lot. It's nothing. It's literally a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. I heard somebody say one time, if an ant, see if I can remember how this went, if an ant was to walk around the perimeter of the earth, over and over and over until he finally wore a groove so deep that the earth would split in half. That's just one second of eternity. Imagine how long it would take for an ant to do that. Eternity hasn't even begun. We can't, eye has not seen, ear heard, or even entered into our mind the things that God has for those who love him. Hallelujah. We just know it's going to be better. Hallelujah. Paul in Romans 8, 18, Paul says, I consider, and this is one of my favorite verses. I know I quote it all the time, but I think that we, it's, it's got to be in us. He said, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be, everybody say shall be. We're, talking, we're looking to the future. The sufferings today in this life, this present time, aren't worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. What's he mean? He means that no matter how ugly this life gets, two seconds in glory erases it all. Not worthy to be compared with how good and how glorious it's going to be. It'll take us two seconds to go from gory to glory. Amen? Life can get gory. It can get hard. It can get painful. But in a moment's time, Jesus said he's going to come in the moment and the twinkling of an eye. That's how fast like, just like the lightning strikes, comes out of the east and strikes, as fast as that takes place, boom, that's the trumpet, the Lord coming, the shout, boom, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, that fast, two seconds, all of life's pain, over, forgotten, two seconds. Now, Paul, if anybody understood suffering, it was Paul. You have to, you have to understand, if this was, if Paul was a prosperity preacher, who, like many preachers today, if he lived in a, you know, $5.5 million mansion and drove Rolls Royces and had his own jet, private jet, him saying, oh, the sufferings of this present time and this life, are, they're not bad compared to what God, that wouldn't mean much. But that word, when, when this man says the sufferings today are nothing compared to how good it's going to be when I get to glory, that means something because Paul knew what suffering was. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he spells it out. And he gives a description of the suffering that he went through just for preaching the gospel. He said, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. You know what that means? In those days, you know, the, the, world, the known world was under Roman law. And the Romans had a law that, if, you know, if you were convicted of a crime and you were sentenced to the whipping post, tied to the whipping post, and they would take uh, an instrument called the cat of nine tails. It was a whip, had a handle, and it had nine strands of leather that come out of the handle. And inside those nine strands were woven pieces of bone and metal so that as those, those stripes came down on the back, it would literally rip pieces of flesh out. The cat of nine tails. Typically, the sentence was 40 stripes. 
40 whacks, but they'd say 40 save one. In other words, they, they, by law, whoever's whipping him can't go over 40. So they would back it off one. They would do 39 just in case they didn't count right. 39 times, Paul said, five times I went to the whipping post. Now, here's, here, I'm just in a math mood for some reason. It's the banker for me. He said, so first of all, nine strands on the whip, one lash would leave nine marks, okay? But they did 39 times, so nine times 39 is 351. 351 lashes in one flogging. Paul said, that happened to me five times. So 351 times five is 1,755. What does that mean? There were 1,755 deep scars on Paul's back where he had gone to the whipping post and suffered just because he loved Jesus. <laughs> Imagine what the man's back looked like. You don't recover for that. That's just not like you don't put a little peroxide on that and it's better next week. That hurt forever. I guarantee you that hurt forever. The rest of his life that had to be painful. And that didn't even count the rods. He goes on to say, uh, three times I was beaten with rods, big, long, whippy rods. They whop, bring whelps up on them. Once he was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. A night in the day I had drift to sea on frequent journeys. Look at this. He said, I experienced dangers in the river, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from all of this, he says, there's a daily pressure of me, the anxiety, the pressure of just the churches that he worried about and would try to instruct this man suffered bad he he experienced pain every single day of his life maybe some of you do maybe you experience pain physically you have some sort of infirmity in your flesh that causes you pain on some level every day that gets long and that gets hard maybe an emotional pain that you deal with on a regular basis paul eventually after all of that history says that paul was beheaded cut his head off because of his preaching the gospel. Suffer, 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 suffer his whole life. And he comes to the conclusion, two seconds into glory, I'll never think another thing about it. Wow. Time goes by so fast. I know sometimes it seems, it depends on what side you're on. You know, Brady turned 18 years old the other day. To him, 18 years, you know, is a long time because that's his whole life. To me, 18 years have gone by very quickly, Right? The Bible says that our life is like a vapor of smoke. You take a match and you strike it, and there's always that puff of smoke. It's just, it's gone. If you live 70 or even 100 years, compared to eternity, it's, it's a, such a short period of time. Paul says, don't get too hung up in the suffering. In fact, he goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 5 and 8, he said, we're confident. Yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. We focus on that. Anytime we, we have a funeral, we lay someone to rest. And they go through a deal of pain on this life, but the moment they close their eyes in death, two seconds later, boom, in the presence of God. Two seconds into heaven, faith becomes sight. Right now, the scripture teaches us that we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't, we don't trust God based on what we see, right? We walk by faith, meaning we just know God is, is trustworthy, and even when we can't see the results, and even though we can't really see the end, and we can't see the purpose in our pain, we don't walk by what we see, we walk by faith. But in that moment, two seconds into heaven, all of that is reversed. Faith can be difficult at times. Because anybody besides me acknowledge this morning that sometimes you struggle with faith? It took an act of faith just to raise your hand, right? We struggle with faith at times, just trusting and believing in God. It's, it's not easy at times. But in that moment, never is faith necessary. Faith disappears, and now we have sight. Now we see that which we believe in. We've, that which we've waited an entire lifetime. Papa, you've served the Lord 60 years. How many years have you been saved? 68 years. It's waited a long time. 
to see the glory of God. <laughs> we wait a lifetime to see it, and it's lo- no longer in that moment hidden from our eyes. 1 Corinthians 13 says, For we know in part, speaking now in this life, we know, we understand things partially. We prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, in other words, when Jesus, who is the only that is perfect, has come and returned, then that which is in part will be done away. Now, in this life, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. We see God dimly. It's our view of God is, is clouded by faith. We only see so much. But in that moment, we see him face to face. Remember when we were reading through Revelation? How many times did it say, with him? With him. We shall be with him. He shall be with us. Face to face, we see God. No longer a need for faith anymore. Now I know in part, but then, everybody say, but then. But then, I shall know as I am known. We see this, this picture well, let's, let's look at Stephen for just a moment. Stephen was somebody we read about in, in the book of Acts, chapter 7, 8, somewhere around through there. He was a preacher of the gospel. And I don't know how long Peter had been saved before he was stoned to death. But all those days preaching the gospel, he longed for and looked for the moment that he would get to see Jesus, the one that he was preaching and talking about. And here he finds himself now surrounded by enemies who hated him because of his testimony of Jesus Christ, who all picked up stones and pronounced death upon him and began throwing the rocks to stone him to death. Stephen is here. You, I can't even imagine what kind of pain that would endure. Rocks hitting you in the skull, skull cracking, blood running down your face. He's enduring this. And during his suffering... He looks up into heaven. The Bible says in that God just for a moment pulls back the curtain of reality and allows him to see into eternity, that which you and I can't see it right now. But God pulls back a curtain and he allows him to see and, and Stephen dies with the testimony saying, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. I see it. It was no longer faith. It was sight. And that's what gave him hope to endure the suffering he was going through in that moment. Two seconds into heaven, and Stephen didn't remember or care about the stoning anymore. <laughs> Hallelujah. In fact, in fact, when we, when we have this proper perspective of life, it gives us the power to do things that we can't do in our own flesh. It gave him the, it gave him the power to pray for and to forgive the ones who were stoning him. While he's being stoned, he's praying for these guys. He says, God, don't lay this sin to their charge. You know what ultimately Stephen is saying? Look at it like this. Stephen's ultimately saying, Lord, if these guys were to stand before you and this stoning, them stoning me to death was the one thing that would keep them out of heaven, let them in. (laughs) Don't lay this sin to their charge. Don't let this be the sin that sends them to hell. Why? How could he pray that for people who were cussing him, on him, pulling his hair, stoning him. How could he pray and for them? It's because of what he was seeing. It was the hope of what lied beyond this life. It was what he saw he was heading towards. It'd be nice. Yeah, I wish that the Lord would pull back the curtain. I'd like to see it too. Right now, I got to trust faith. But one day, I'll see it. Amen? One day, I'll see it. I've been preaching the gospel for around 20 Four years, give or take. 23, how many years have we been married? 23? 24 years. I've preached a lot about it. I've prayed a lot about it. I, I, I get teary sometimes when I get to thinking about heaven. It, it's just exciting to me. But I can only imagine right now <laughs> what's going to be like in a moment when I walk in to the glory of God, whether I die and walk into God's presence or whether I'm one of those who remain when Jesus returns and I get to see it that way. Two seconds into heaven, and we'll be reunited with our loved ones. I don't know. I don't know how it works exactly, because we know in part. I can't help but think that the way I picture it, anyway, that when we pass away, that our loved ones who have gone on before us are there standing at the gate, you know, welcoming us. I don't know, but it just seems logical to me that God would say, "Brother Bill." Your sweet olive's about to come home. (laughs) 
to walk through the gates and to see those who have gone on there to welcome us. In two seconds in the glory, we get to see them. I was thinking, I made a list. And I may have forgotten some. So if I forgot some, you, you shout it out here in a minute. I made a list of people just in this church who, who have been a part of this church in the past 13 years who have passed away and, and have gone on to be with Jesus. Bill Bowen. Irene Pruitt, Sister Jennifer, one day we'll see her. One day we'll see her again. My grandma, Betty Nielsen, Bob Menneke, Bill and Nona Watkins, Ival and Ermalee Tooley, Daryl Inky, Brother George, Harold Webb, Kinsley Bulware, little baby that only lived about 20 minutes. Knew nothing. You know, she was born. She didn't, her lungs and all that didn't develop in the womb. She lived for 20 minutes after she was born. That's been how many years ago? Seven, Seven years ago. Two seconds. She didn't know anything in this life, but two seconds after she died, reality. You know, it takes, it takes us forever to get a clue. I'm 43 and I still don't have one, right? In, a, in that moment of time, that little baby was aware of her existence, aware of God, aware, had that little baby two seconds into glory had more understanding than any of us, no matter how old we are. Isn't that something? We can't fathom that. <laughs> we get to see that little baby again. Brother Harley Smith, I remember Harley, Harley was a godly man. He was a good man, good natured man. And when he was knocking on, on the door of death. And right before he died, he kept saying things like, oh, I hear such beautiful music. Oh, beautiful music, he kept saying over and over again. He told Elva, he said, come and go with me. This is what he said, get your ready on. Love that. Get your ready on. I think we all need to get our ready on. Is life kind of stinky for you right now? It may be. But it ain't always going to be that way. Amen, there's hope. Two seconds in glory. Whatever you're going through now, I'm not going to matter. Get your ready on. Oh, he died leaving that testimony of the beautiful things that he was seeing and hearing. Folks, I don't believe this is a fairy tale. I believe it's real. I do. It's not an ideal or, or a thought. It's a reality. More of a reality than what you and I can know. Now, we, our reality is what we can touch and, and feel and hear and see. That's what we know to be reality. But this is all fake compared to heaven, compared to glory. That, that is true reality. Amen? A lot of people going on. I believe they're waiting on us. I believe we'll see them again. It's important for us to, I wouldn't, I, I guess I'd just be doing half my job if I just talked about that, but two seconds into eternity can be a bad thing too for those who reject Jesus. You guys seen the commercial with the dog? He's about half shaved, and he said, nobody wants half a job done. Right? <laughs> so I'm not going to do half a job this morning. Jesus gave us a, a, a story, a parable in the Bible. I'm not so even sure it was a parable because it actually used the guy's name. But he t Jesus tells a story of two men. One was a rich man, and he said, this guy lived sumptuously every day. I mean, just anything money could buy, he had it. Lived life however he wanted to, but he rejected God. And there was another man who was a beggar, had nothing, no gold or silver or money on this earth, but he had Jesus, right? He had God. Both of those men died, and the Bible says that this beggar, two seconds into glory, he's ushered into God's presence, right? But the rich man, two seconds into eternity, the Bible says he lifted up his eyes in hell, being in torment. And those two seconds were a pretty long period for him because it's those two seconds where the regret really starts, what have I done? You know, it would have been so easy just to give my heart to Jesus. And it's important for us to understand that this morning. Two seconds into glory, the second that these eyes close in death, we will be one of two places, either heaven or hell. That's the reality of, of Scripture. And the one thing, the one thing that determines which way we go is whether or not we have trusted Jesus as our Savior. How easy is that? Salvation is so easy. Lord, I repent of my sins. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. 
I receive you into my life. You are my Lord. I will follow you the rest of my days. That's the one thing that determines where we'd be in those first two seconds of heaven. Psalm 16, Mom, go ahead and come to the piano. Psalm 16 and 11 says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence is the fullness of joy. In God's presence. We, we, we get to enjoy a little bit of God's presence. I felt God's presence today during the worship, didn't you? I felt God's presence this morning as I, as I bring his word to you. We feel God's presence in part, right? But in God's presence, in the fullness of God's presence, when we see him face to face is when the full joy begins. Amen? Bow with me this morning. Father, we love you today and we thank you for life, for all of the blessings that we experience in life for your faithfulness and your promises when life is unpleasant. Teach us, Lord. Uh, teach us, please, how to look eternally, how to look with spiritual eyes and not natural eyes. God, as you search everyone's heart in this building, start with mine, please. Please start with my heart. You see the times that I'm a little too caught up in temporary things. I'm a little too concerned about the things of this life. Help me, Lord, to refocus. Help me to long for that moment, those two seconds where I see you face to face. Let that be the hope that drives me, that no amount of deception on the enemy's part would be able to derail me because of that two-second moment that I'm looking forward to. As you search the hearts of people in this place today, really only you and that individual can know for certain whether they're saved or whether they're not. We open our hearts today for you to do the work that you died to do to save souls, to lift up the, the brokenhearted, to bind up the brokenhearted, to open up the prison doors that those who are bound might go free. God, even, even now, even after this message, we struggle to grab a hold of the reality of this. Our minds just can't hardly go there. Help us to go there, Lord. Give us a greater revelation than we've ever had before individually today, Lord. Hallelujah. Keeping your heads bowed this morning and your eyes closed and just as they begin to sing a song of invitation today, have that conversation with God. If God deals with your heart and draws you to come forward and if you want to kneel at this altar, you want to stand and you want to be saved this morning, if God draws you in that way, this is the time to do that. You say, I don't really want to go up in front of everybody. That's okay. Let me tell you something. One of the ladies is going to be baptized here today, Charlotte. She met with Jeff and I this week. God's dealing with me. I want to be saved. I want to be ready. That's great. That's awesome. You get alone with God. You seek God. Find somebody that you know to be a solid Christian. Call me, call Jeff. Just don't put it off. But why not do it today? Why not be saved today?
attitude of prayer? It's a valid question. I mean, we all know that we're going to die. And I'm not just trying to, you know, I'm not trying to scare anybody into being saved. I don't believe that we should be saved just out of a fear of hell. I think that we ought to understand how much God loves us. And we ought to respond to God that way. But the reality is a reality. And, and all of us will spend eternity somewhere. Where, where will you be a million years from now? One thing that all of us can agree on. We may disagree on a lot of things, but one thing every person in this room, I guarantee will agree with me on, you will not be alive on this earth one million years from now. So where will you be? It's a valid question. Only you can answer it. Have you had that moment? You should be able to go back to a moment in your life where you, out of your own free will, surrendered to Jesus Christ, repented of your sins and said, Lord, save me. <laughs> Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved. Jesus said, I will not cast out anybody that comes to me. Doesn't matter what kind of sin, what, what your past is, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So we're going to sing that chorus through one more time. And whether you come up here again or whether you don't, have that conversation. If you're ready, say, Lord, I'm ready to know, to know that I'm saved. Have that conversation with him right here today. If you do that, come please. Come talk to me after service this morning, okay? Sing it again. Where will you be? saved this morning say amen hallelujah like I said if God's been dealing with you keep seeking him keep seeking him he promised us in his word if we seek him we'll find him amen we look forward to heaven how many of you looking forward to that day amen that two seconds it's worth it I don't know where you're at in your two trillion seconds right now we're all in you know different section there but we'll all get to share in that that two seconds of eternity which is going to be glorious amen we're going to have a baptism how about that Amen. Yes. Yes. I'm going to ask the three folks that are going to be baptized this morning to go ahead and make your way up here. Let's sing something while we're waiting on them. Ain't nothing worse than standing up here when everybody's gawking at you.
decision. That's what uh, baptism is all about, man. Amen. I have decided to make Jesus my Lord and to follow him. And there's, it's different than, it's one thing to have a general, general belief in Jesus. It's something else to follow him. Amen. And baptism is just saying, hey, I am saved. I have been cleansed of my sins. And I'm following the Lord in baptism. I'm identifying with him. Just as Jesus went down into the grave, died and went into the grave and rose again in the newness of life, the Bible says. That's what we symbolize. We go down in that water, the old man, the sinful man. We come up a new creation, a new creature in Christ Jesus. Baptized into the body. That's why this is such a special thing. That's why I say when, when, you're, when you get saved, when God deals with your heart, you can be saved anywhere. We know Papaw got saved under a hickory nut tree out in the middle of the woods. He tried it in church, didn't quite take, right? It was a good start. He came to the altar and he got saved, but it just kind of, yeah. It wasn't until he got alone with God out under the hickory nut tree where he really, truly got saved. So that's where you're saved. That's when you come into to fellowship with God. And this is the moment where you tell your church family and the body of Christ, I'm in. Amen? I'm in. And so these three candidates this morning have come to say, hey, I'm in. Not being baptized into Crossway Fellowship Church. Being baptized into the body of Christ. Amen? And so we're going to get started here. Kira? Kira, right? Did I pronounce it correctly? I thought I did. You're going to go first. You want to? Because she's the first one that came to me and said, I want to be baptized. So, and here's the exciting thing. Today, not only are we celebrating Kiera being born again, we're celebrating her being born for the first time. This is her birthday today, amen? Just come sit right down here. So before we do this, let's all sing, ready? Happy birthday to you, happy birthday. You can sit down on that little ledge right there. There you go. Happy birthday, dear Kiera. God bless you, I forgot we're in church. Happy birthday to you. How old are you, 11? 10 years old. So scoot over here just a little closer to me. Don't make me work so hard, okay? <laughs> I was so excited when Kiara and Stephanie, her mom, came to me here a couple weeks ago. God, God had been working even when we weren't here at church. This is proof right here that God's at work in us, whether we're here at church or whether we're not. God had been working on her heart, and she came and she said, I've been saved and I'm ready to be baptized. And that just tickles me to death. What better way to start off a young person's life than to, underst to understand that they were created by a God that loves them. Amen? And to be saved and to be baptized. This is a big deal getting up in front of everybody, which she's probably wishing I'd hurry up so she wouldn't have to stand up in front of everybody. But it's a big deal to have to get up in front of everybody. You've been there, and so we're so proud of you, Kiera. I'm going to just have you put your hand on your nose and then grab, take this hand, this hand, and, and hold onto your wrist. And I'll do all the work, okay? okay. Kiera, upon your conf confession of faith, in the Lord Jesus Christ and repentance of sin, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. All the way back. There you go. Good job. Good job. Proud of you, girl. Very proud of you. Here's a. Oh, lost your flip flop, didn't you? It's floating. There you go. Good thing we weren't in the creek. You'd never seen it again. Okay, grab. Let me put this over yet. Let me grab your hand so that you don't slip, okay? Jeff, grab her hand over there, please. All right. All right, Charlotte, you're up. There was some concern. I'm not going to mention who this was. There was some concern whether or not she could get in here. Ah, we know she can. Look at how easy that is. I had this thing built with short people in mind. Just sit right down on that ledge, Charlotte. I was—I mentioned this a minute ago, but uh, Charlotte met with Jeff and I this this week, and that's why I, I like to say, you know, for so long we just assume that you can only get saved in the five minutes after the sermon on Sunday morning. It just doesn't work that way. God is always—if God's dealing—let me say this—if God is dealing with you here this morning, He's going to keep dealing with you, right? It means it means that He knows you're ready to be saved, so just let Him keep dealing. And she said, I, I want to be baptized. And she said, I want to be saved. I want to make sure. We, we got together and visited. I told her, I said, I wish everybody would do it like this. This is awesome. It was a chance to ask questions and, and answer questions and stuff. So, uh, so excited, Sister Charlotte, um, that you have come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's my privilege to be able to baptize you this morning, all right? Let's go over just a little closer to me. There you go. Just hold your nose and take that wrist and grab this one. There you go. Charlotte, upon your confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, 
and upon your repentance of sin, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Just lay all the way back. Very good. Good job. Awesome. Give her a hand. See how easy that was? Give her a hand. So, so God's at work in our young people. Amen. God is using Jeff and doing a great work. We're having some revival over there. So I'm excited to defer to our youth pastor here on this one. He asked me when he got up here. He said, do I have to take my boots off? And I said, unless you want them to get wet, you do. <laughs> gathering uh he came to me after the gathering was over with and our at the at the altar call that they give and he said i just i just like for you to pray with me he said i need to pray about some things and pray through some things and uh one thing you can always tell when you know somebody's truly been saved i got to pray with him we got now i said i said have you, have you been saved you committed your life to the lord he said oh yeah and he told me the day he had he said but i know that i need to get baptized and he said i truly need to be baptized he said i want my mom there to see it and uh, I got a text from mom. She's sitting out here today. She's here to see it and uh, ready for it. She said, I wanted to make sure his heart was in the right place. And I said, well, I can tell you, I said, he may not be perfect, obviously, but I said, I believe his heart is in the right place. And Amen. I know he's ready to get this over. He told me my heart's going 100 miles an hour. Oh, yeah. So, so uh, as I said earlier, I give them all a nickname. So the next time you watch the movie Shrek, uh, this is Shrek. You are seeing Shrek get baptized today. I never thought that would happen, but it will. Put that up or hold your nose like that. There you go. Put that hand on there. No, right, right there. And I told you, I'm holding you under. You go all the way under, so don't fight it. All right? I, am, uh, I am extremely excited about this. Uh, I want to see every young person that's in here and every young person in my group uh, that has not been baptized. I want to see that happen to every each and every one of them at some point or another. It's a big deal. Upon your admission of sins and your confession of Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I uh, baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son.